Welcome to Daily Drive Time Devotions. We are in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 this week. This is day one of our look at that chapter. We're going to be looking at the first three verses today. We're looking again at, in both First and 2 Thessalonians, how to live the authentic life, the real life that God made you to live. And if we're going to live a real life, I'm going to have to confront, you're going to have to confront the reality of evil. To have real hope, you have to confront the reality of evil in this world. If you pretend that there is no evil, you're going to end up hopeless. I'm going to end up hopeless. Because there's something deep within you that knows you're pretending. But once you recognize the reality of evil, then you can hear God's hope in the face of that reality, and you have real hope, genuine hope, in the face of no matter what you're facing. In this chapter, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul's going to talk about what's going to happen at the end of time and what's going to happen when it comes to evil in this world. Now, I want to just give a couple of encouragements as we begin this chapter. First of all, be sure to listen to all five days. This chapter is best understood in light of the last few verses. They really put everything in light that we're going to be looking at. They're where the hope is found. And so make sure you listen to all five days this week. And then a second thing I'd say as we begin this chapter even today, although we won't face this so much today, someone has said to me that when you read through the entire chapter, well, their quote was, it seems like it's filled with code words and secret language. Let me just let you know from the very beginning of the chapter that God isn't trying to fool us. These were familiar words to the people that Paul was writing to. And with just a little bit of study as we walk through this, the ideas are going to seem familiar to us also. It's not going to seem strange as we walk through this. You're going to find as we go through these chapters that there is a lot in these verses that brings questions. What is the rebellion that Paul is talking about as we read along? Who is this man of lawlessness that he says will be revealed? The point is, he wrote to the people in Thessalonica to let them know that the day of the Lord had not yet come. If it had already come, they wouldn't have had any questions. Once something occurs, you don't wonder about it anymore. You don't have any questions. But they had some worries. They had some questions about the day of the Lord and when it was going to come and how that would affect their lives. And Paul writes to let them know that they could be at peace, that they can have God's grace, that they can have hope in their lives. Listen to what he says in the first three verses. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, We ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us, saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Do not let anyone deceive you in any way. Now, as Paul writes, the actions he's calling us to take in these verses are the actions of not becoming easily unsettled, not becoming alarmed, and not letting anyone deceive you. Don't let anyone deceive you. He's talking here about the truth of Jesus' return, the second coming of Christ. And he says, don't let anyone deceive you about this truth. The truth is, this truth of the second coming is especially prone to deception. It's out in the future. And so people can make up things. They can make up lies and say, this is what I think is going to happen. And if they say it real confidently and you're not confident about it, they can deceive you. In fact, as I think about deception when it comes to the second coming of Jesus Christ, I think of three major types of deception. Paul covers the first here, but I also want to mention two other types of deception that we face in light of the second coming. The three types of deception are anxiety, apathy, and pride. Paul here talks about the first of those, anxiety. They were worried that somehow they had missed it. Or maybe you're worried that somehow it will be frightening. Or you're worried that something in it will be disappointing to you. Well, Paul writes and says, Don't become easily unsettled. Don't become alarmed. 
And when I hear that, it says to me, and it should say to you, that if you're unsettled about the second coming of Jesus Christ, if your heart is alarmed about the second coming of Jesus Christ, something is wrong. Something is deceiving you. It might be some teaching you heard way in the past. It may be some way that you've allowed your mind to run ahead of God's word or run without God's word, but something is wrong. Now, in this case, with the Thessalonians, what was wrong was they had heard a lie. Paul had written a letter to them, and as we talked about last week, they got the letter, they began to grow based on it, but then they had other questions. They wrote back to Paul, and Paul wrote back to them, but somehow in in between that very short time, someone else wrote a letter or someone else sent a report and said, oh, by the way, the day of the Lord has already come, and they they were alarmed. They were deceived. And Paul writes and says, if some prophecy was given, the word there is spirit, it's the idea of a prophetic utterance that was given in a church, If somebody said, the Spirit of God has told me that the Apostle Paul says the day of the Lord has already come, Paul says, that's not true. If some letter supposedly written by me came, that's simply not true. Now, this this is an indication to me of something that often happens when it comes to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Rumors. There are a lot of rumors that surround the second coming. People easily say, oh, well, this means this, and I saw this, and this is what's going to happen in history. And I would say to you, having heard literally dozens upon dozens of second coming rumors in my life as a teacher of the good news of Jesus Christ, that most of them are just that. They're rumors. So be careful. You check it out. You go and make sure it's in God's word. You go and make sure it's true in history. People like to make up rumors because it draws attention to themselves. That's why we share rumors. And people will do that when they talk about the second coming of Christ. And if a rumor is causing you to become unsettled or alarmed, it's probably not from God or you're not listening to it in a way that's from God. The first deception that comes into our lives when it comes to the second coming of Christ is the deception of anxiety. But there's a second deception that I just want to remind you of, and that's the deception of apathy. You don't really care much about it. It's not really that important to you. You think, well, it's too hard to understand, so why should I bother with it? I have more important things to do right now. And that is a deception. Just as much as anxiety is a deception, apathy is a deception. Jesus wouldn't have told us that he's coming again if he didn't need us to know. And he needed us to know so that we could have hope. He needed us to know so that we wouldn't hold on to this world so tightly and try to find our hope here. He needed us to know so that we would understand that this world is not all there is. He needed us to know because he wanted us to know that he loves us enough that he's going to return for us. He hasn't left us alone. And when I'm apathetic about the second coming, when I Refuse to even allow it into my thoughts because I have more important daily activities. That is a way of deceiving myself. It's a deception. And then there's a third deception in this area of the second coming of Jesus. And I would, I would call it pride. And it usually runs this way. Somebody feels like this. I understand the second coming and you don't. It's this prideful attitude that I've figured it out and you haven't. Or I know when he's coming and you don't. Now, when it comes to cults, non-Christian cults, They basically say, we know when Jesus is going to return. We know the date and the time, or we know the date and the time that he was returning, and you don't. Nobody else can. He's only revealed it to us. There's a Christian version of this. The Christian version of this is, I've studied the second coming more than you have. I have it all figured out. And so because of that, I have a greater understanding of God's will in your life than you can have. I have to tell you, when it comes to this issue of pride, and the second coming, I've often seen it. I've read a lot of books on the second coming of Jesus Christ, and many of them are very good. They share a lot of hope. 
but too many books on the second coming of Christ, written by Christians, are filled with pride. They're filled with statements about why I'm right and this other person is wrong. And there are disagreements between Christians, but the statements are shared in such ways that this other person is not just mistaken or wrong, but this other person is evil and bad. And I understand it, and you don't. And it's obvious that there's pride involved. Deceptions around the second coming, they're easy to fall for. Anxiety, apathy, pride, these deceptions send us down the wrong path. And even worse, even worse than sending us down the wrong path, they keep us from the right path. What's the right path? What's the right attitude when it comes to the second coming of Jesus Christ? Well, I'd say it in this word, anticipation. Anticipation. The word here in verse 1 is the idea of coming together in the Lord Jesus Christ and we're being gathered together to him. That's what we anticipate. That word gathered together there, the only other place it's found in the New Testament is Hebrews 10.25, where it's talking about being gathered together in a worship assembly. Warren Wiersbe has said, the purpose of Bible prophecy is not the making of calendars, but the building of character. It's not so much to set dates as it is to set our hearts, to set our hearts on God, to set our hearts on worship, to set our hearts on anticipating that being gathered together in him. Here's the good news about this when it comes to anticipation. You don't have to worry about being deceived. With so much deception around us, how can I hope to know the truth? How can I hope to have this attitude of anticipation about the second coming of Christ? God has given us his word. And God has given us his spirit. And if I will take time to listen to him and connect with him, there is no way, there is no way that I will be deceived. Now, if I listen only to this world, if you listen only to this world, of course you'll be deceived. But when you listen to God's word, when you spend time with God and listen to his spirit, you will not be deceived. As we pray today, let's pray for our hearts. As you pray, just say to God, God, give me a heart of anticipation. And if there is a... If there's anxiety that's been in your life, admit it to God. God, you see the worry. You see the anxiety about the second coming of Christ. And ask God to take it away through his truth, through his word, through his hope. If you've had apathy about the second coming of Christ, I admit that often I go days, even weeks, not thinking about the second coming of Christ unless I'm teaching on it. If you've had apathy about the second coming of Christ, ask Jesus to remind you. He is coming again. He does love you that much. Or if you've had pride, if that's invaded your heart and you feel like you understand it better than any other Christian and that has has become a seed of pride, it's made you feel you're better than other Christians, admit that to God. As you admit those things, ask God to put into your heart, into your mind, anticipation for the coming of Christ, anticipation for his love being revealed, anticipation for our gathering together in him. Jesus, we do anticipate your return. We trust you. And we know at your return, we will glory in you. We will rejoice in you. And we're thankful for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Tomorrow, we're going to be looking together at the man of lawlessness and the day of rebellion in verses 3 to 5.